You're listening to Pretty Girls Talking Dirty. I'm your host, Elizabeth. My parents' idea of a sex talk was telling me, just don't. And while communication clearly wasn't our family strength, I forged for the truth anyway. Over 10 years of therapy combined with sexual and emotional exploration have led me here, to this podcast. This is Pretty Girls Talking Dirty. Are we ready to talk about the days when we can't get out of bed? Has COVID finally pushed us to look at the days we force ourselves to eat and drink? Because even a mundane task like surviving just seems like too much. Are we ready to talk about the days on end that we let our missed phone calls and voicemails sit, missed text messages go unanswered? Despite feeling so alone, We've just started to shut it all out. I used to bury myself in loneliness during these times. If I was secluded, I would self-destruct, drink alcohol, smoke, overeat. This time, it's different. And not just because I'm a mom now. This time, I know none of that would work. That doesn't mean I didn't try any coping mechanisms, even healthy, but everything flashed on a blinding, uncompromising loop, no matter how I tried to cope. Circumstance, vulnerability, love, and finally heartbreak had cracked open my consciousness. It all compounded, grabbing me by the throat until it finally had my attention. Fear, abandonment, dependence. My ghosts wouldn't run this time. They refused to be unnerved. I stared at them and they just stared back. I thought finding the love of my life meant that all of those scary dark parts of me would go away. I wouldn't have to be afraid anymore. I was vulnerable. I showed parts of myself to him without fear of rejection. See, I believe that knowing my demons was enough. I hadn't realized that I was opening the box a tad here and there, and he would see me. He would be able to acknowledge me through this connection so we could meet at that place and grow together. While I had spent almost 10 years in therapy working on myself, getting to know who I am, what I want, what I deserved, I thought I was ready to find a partner. Though I didn't know then that I couldn't even fully be the person for whom I was looking for because I didn't actually know what that person looked like. I didn't love myself. I barely even respected myself. Even though I wasn't ready, I believed I was, and I sought out the person I knew I needed intentionally, purposefully. I was precise. I spoke my truth. And then I met him. He was not everything. He definitely had his flaws, but he was open and loving. He accepted me, even loved me back deeply, fiercely. He was beautiful in many ways and dark in many ways. I learned after several months that he had not showed up to the relationship, having done as much work as it appeared. He was very well put together. The honeymoon phase was wearing off, we met each other's children, and shit got real. 
he left because he was afraid. And I realized he was not ready for me. I was not ready for me. I needed to understand my own darkness and my motivation for the bad parts of me. I was beyond naming them. I needed to understand them. And my partner needed to have already done the same. Him and I would never have worked otherwise. The reason we expel so many emotions, whether it's hate, anger, stubbornness, fear, is because once it dissipates, all that's left is pain. Pain is not something most of us enjoy. Physical, emotional, it's all painful and it needs to stop. But I realized I fuck with pain. I've lived a pretty painful life. I was no stranger to physical pain. I'd been abused throughout my childhood. I gave birth to an 11-pound newborn in my living room. I experienced emotional pain when I felt like my family, when I felt like my family had abandoned me. They didn't support the, the decisions I made for my life, and so they removed themselves from my life. I went through a divorce and saw my four-year-old son experience depression from the divorce. No, I knew I could handle pain. And so I did, for the first time, what was totally against my instinct. And I leaned in. I let myself feel the loss of love, the grief of the memories we would never have the ones I had made up in my mind, and the ones we did have that I couldn't bear to recall, but recall them I did. I realized there is power in pain. There is release and healing and freedom in pain. There is clarity. And when you move past it, it is even more clarity. Even though I showed up to my relationship with vulnerability and communication, my partner had not. When I took a step back, I was able to see moments where his behavior triggered a trauma response in me. I would feel him pull away emotionally and come to him with openness, trying to understand. But instead of giving me communication and vulnerability in return, he denied my reality, the reality of what I felt, and put me into fight-or-flight mode. I was like a kid again. I began to question myself and my instincts. In that moment... Neither of us were our best selves. His lie or omission of truth, as people like to call it, it triggered my fear of abandonment, a wound I believed was either healed or at least mostly healed. I guess in reality, I thought part of my healing was meant to come from him. And in turn, I had sought out an unhealthy partner for myself. Again. I had sought out someone who I could safely, unsafely love because even though I had sought with intention, and he was wonderful in many ways, it was also familiar in toxic ways. This time, it hurt even more because I knew more and I saw what was happening like a runaway train that I didn't have the power to stop. I started to see things in my past more clearly. I had already gotten to the point where I saw my parents as fallible creatures and Less like the gods of my childhood, but I started to see my own faults in our relationship battles, too. 
It almost felt like I was standing on the precipice of something I had already known. A mountain, not towering, but with a high pitch, enough to see the valley below in one sprawling scene. It's easy to say that we know we have our own flaws, but it's quite another to look at our downfalls from an outside perspective, to want to do better for yourself. I knew at this point there was no one left to perform for, so what did it matter anyway? All of those people I had put stock in, they were gone in this moment. And at the end of the day, isn't it just us anyway? We might listen to the whistling sleep of a man or a woman next to us, but what do we really know about them? We know ourselves. We can know ourselves. And knowing yourself, growing, it requires looking at the ugly, too. I used to be so angry with my dad. Not because he left my mom after 30 years of marriage. Not even because he asked me to go back to our childhood home to pack his things into his truck while my mom sobbed over my shoulder and looked at me like I was the one leaving. No, I was angry because he hadn't just left her, he had left me. My dad had always been the fun parent, the calm parent. He was a presence. Always upbeat and encouraging, but he had a way of thinking and it was unmovable. I now can see that my mom, who stayed home to raise my sisters and I, I can more easily understand the times she would peel out of the driveway for a trip to the store by herself. My dad worked days on end, literally, driving a car hauler across the country to provide us with what he thought was a beautiful life. While he certainly missed a lot of important moments due to traveling, he also did provide for us. We had a beautiful house, space, but he was also afforded the space to grow outside of the family, both personally and his career. My mom essentially took on the career of being a mom and as many women did then and still do today. Now that I have two children of my own, I both appreciate and understand both my parents and their dynamic much more clearly. Not only that, but my own divorce from a workaholic gave me perspective on the struggle of a woman left at home whose only purpose is to raise the children and wait for her husband to come home. It can create a lot of pent-up anger and resentment in a partner. If the couple isn't able to effectively communicate their feelings with one another, and if one person is making more effort to spend time with the other. Unfortunately, that was the demise of both my parents' marriage and my own marriage, to put it in simple terms. Anyway, all of this made me realize that no couple is perfect, but also no person is without fault. I could see that my dad worked endlessly because he wanted to provide the things he thought we needed without ever realizing that maybe... All we needed was more of him. My mom, I think, truly, deeply loved my dad and did the best with what she was given. But she also struggled with severe depression and a mental illness in a time when women's pain was brushed off as hysteria. Any thoughts beyond housework and child-rearing were a luxury. By the 80s and 90s, we had progressed a bit, birth control was a thing, But when we think about the burden that women still carry in the home today, women's overall health really has not changed a whole lot. 
And my dad was not someone who supported medication. He didn't really believe in modern medicine in a lot of ways. The last several years of my parents' marriage was a perpetual cycle of walking across a floor of broken glass while desperately trying to do so quietly. By that time, both of my older sisters had moved out and it was just me and my parents. My parents' relationship had become quite tense, and I, of course, was clueless as to the narrative that lived between their backhanded compliments, stiff pecks on the cheek, and the clink of forks against dinner plates eaten in separate rooms. All I knew was what my parents told me, that my dad was gone a lot. When he was home, everything was easier. When my dad left home, I assumed he would spend more time with me, that we would spend more time together. And we did for a while. He would take me to dinner. We would process the trauma of the years past. Eventually took me to meet his new girlfriend to visit their apartment. I was the first of my sisters to find out. That made me feel proud. Like he knew I could keep a secret, almost. I visited a couple times for concerts and whatnot, but After a while, when I visited, I could feel the familiar twinge of discord in the air. He invited me to a baseball game, but said I'd need to choose between him coming to the baseball game or my college graduation because the drive was too far. Seemed like phone calls became few and far between. Plans went unfulfilled. He and his girlfriend found things to do closer to home. Finally, one weekend, when some of my family and I visited my dad's house for lunch, we were told we had to meet at a restaurant because his girlfriend was uncomfortable that we were there. That's what he told us. I began to feel like all the canceled plans, all the excuses were just edging me further out of his life. I thought when my parents were apart, they would make more of an effort to be in my life, not less. I was a 19-year-old freshman in college, for God's sakes, not a grown woman. I was still a kid. I needed my family maybe more than ever. I think those feelings, being pushed out, not supported, of thinking my dad valued his relationship with a woman he'd known a short time more than he valued the relationship with his own child, that really messed me up. It messed me up maybe more than the physical and emotional abuse I'd experienced as a result of my mom's mental illness. It tore open a wound that had been growing my whole life, from not feeling good enough, not feeling smart, or pretty enough, happy enough. It made me believe that I was not someone worth the type of love that stuck around through the struggle. But I so desperately wanted that, and so I sought it out. The problem with seeking something you know nothing about is that you sometimes look for it in all the wrong places, all the wrong people. I had seen my mom hold on to such loathing for herself, her own body image. I'd heard my dad call her fat to her face. How do you come back from that? You stay, and you fight. That's how you come back. You realize that not everyone is meant to be an encouragement or even be present in your life. You start to understand that everything that happens is just another step toward your purpose, whatever that may be. And you see that the love of your life may not be someone who sticks around forever, but instead, 
someone who shook you into realizing that you needed to enjoy your own company. I'm not saying the process will be easy. Trust me. As someone who's held hands delicately with suicide on multiple occasions, every day is a new struggle. But I promise, it gets better. You've been listening to Pretty Girls Talking Dirty. I'm Elizabeth. You can support my podcast by leaving a review, subscribing, or sending me someone who has a story. I hope we see you next time.